The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. He said this, and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death, while they thought he meant ordinary sleep. Then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and is asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him, for Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary, saw, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. 
Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was clothed and was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what had been done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. pretty sure it's an act of mercy that the church gives us these chapter-length gospels in the three weeks preceding Palm Sunday, because Palm Sunday is the longest of them all, and I think the church kind of wants to break us into it gradually rather than have us with our legs give out halfway through the Palm Sunday Passion reading, but my own musings for what they're worth. That as we sit here today and we hear these readings spoken to us, they come clearly and remind us that our Lord comes to be able to give life, that our Lord comes to raise us up. Sometimes it's in the flesh as Lazarus was raised to life from a physical death, but more often than not, it's a spiritual death that Christ comes to save us from, to be able to renew us in the Holy Spirit and to grant us once more his grace. As we've been going through this liturgical year, I've been trying to hit on some of the basics of our faith, some of the essential elements of things that help us to remember and to worship the true God. Today I would like to reflect for a moment on the sacrament of reconciliation. It should come as no surprise. We can't go the entire Lenten season without a homily on confession, right? And so I would like to reflect on confession, but not just simply on encouraging you to go to confession. I do that frequently enough, and so you know it. But I would like to encourage you to reflect upon how it is that we go to confession to begin with. As you enter the church uh, on on your left-hand side, on the table, in the entryway, as well as by the St. Joseph statue in the back, we have little guides called How to Go to Confession. And I'm basically going to use that guide to talk about how to go to confession. Pretty simple. In our parish, we have two opportunities that are regularly scheduled each week for the Sacrament of Reconciliation or Confession. At St. Anne's, we have uh, from roughly 3.30 to 4.15 each Saturday prior to the Vigil Mass, uh, we have Reconciliation available. Also before the Tuesday evening Mass here, And Ennis, we have uh, from usually about 4.30 to 4.55 or so, uh, Sacrament of Reconciliation available here. Uh, If you would like other times, if those times are not convenient, if as a group y'all would like something different, let me know. I'm happy to help. As you know, I'm always a fan of getting people to reconciliation. In Ennis, we we don't have a light or anything for, uh, for our reconciliation room to tell if anyone is in there, myself or anybody else. 
I'm working on that. But for the time being, basically, uh, during the regular times, you can presume that I'm there during, uh, the, day, during the course of the week uh, at the regularly scheduled time, and simply to be able to go in. As you enter, there are two options that you can choose to go to reconciliation. You can go face-to-face, or you can remain anonymous. Uh, you have, by church law, the right to remain anonymous, so there, uh, there's always the screen there for us to be able to make use of. And so you can simply choose whichever you, per, whichever you would prefer. In the confessional, we have two laminated 8.5 by 11 sheets of paper with the full ritual of how to go to confession. So they're in there, and we have some in the back, the little pocket-sized ones, uh, as you would like to pick up if you want to take it to go uh, from today. And so the whole ritual is there. And I'm going through this, particularly in a homily, because I know it's that ritual in the, the words and what to do, what to say, when to say it, how to say it, these kinds of things, that sometimes can be the instrument that the devil uses to keep us away from confession. I don't remember the act of contrition. It's going to be awkward when Father says, now make an act of contrition. I have to tell him I don't know it, I don't remember it, or I get through half of it and forget the other half, and then uh, I'll just spare myself the trouble and not go. It's happened many times. It's happened to myself as well. And so I want to simply be able to go through it so there's clarity, but also that we do have the cards available uh, for those who would desire them. And so we enter into the confessional and we go either face-to-face or anonymous. It's up to you. And simply begin with the sign of the cross, praying, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Now, sometimes we'll hear the words, Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, which is understandable. It's a sacrament of forgiveness. But the, the ritual itself indicates that we ought to say, Bless me, Father, as a way of saying, I need God's help. I need God's grace. Please, Father, bless me. I've sinned and I need God's help. Give me a blessing, a blessing of God's grace upon us. And so we begin with those blessed words. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been X number of days, weeks, months, years since my last confession. And this is an important piece because it helps the priest to know who it is that is before him. If we go down a litany of a hundred different things that we've committed our sin, that's a whole different story from someone who's been 20 years from confession and someone who's been about 25 minutes from confession. If you've gotten a whole list of things and it's been a day, maybe we need to have a serious sit-down, right? And so there's a simple reality of allowing uh, the time uh, to be indicated so as to help the priest to give an adequate response to your confession at the end. Now, I know there's a recognition that it doesn't have to be an exact thing. It doesn't have to be, well, Father, it's been four weeks, three days, and about six and a half hours. And sometimes we go, we come in, and, we, and we're not exactly sure how long it's been. And so we say, Father, it's, it's been a while. Okay. What is a while? For some people, a while is three weeks. For some people, a while is three decades. What is a while? <laughs> a ballpark figure always helps. It doesn't have to be precise. You're not going to be, uh, it's not going to count as a, a strike against you or an extra sin in confession if you say it's been three months at your last confession when it was actually four. It just helps, right? And so we make that known at the beginning. And then we continue. These are my sins. And then we simply dive in. And we name the sins that we've committed. Sometimes it can... Uh, 
seem to come into more of just a, a storytelling recount. Especially this happens more often face-to-face because typically those behind the screen are kneeling. And let's be honest, you don't want to sit, you don't want to kneel down and have a conversation with somebody, right? When you're sitting, you feel a little more comfortable, a little more chatty. And so sometimes in confession, we start to talk and it becomes more of explaining all sorts of things, which can be helpful from time to time. More often than not, what needed to be only said is simply the sins which we've committed. Sometimes also, too, in the midst of us naming our sins, we become not only our accuser, but also our own defender. We come to our own defense and go, well, Father, I did this, but let me tell you why. (laughs) And let me explain why it's not really that bad of a thing. (laughs) And so we try to excuse ourselves in a sense, which kind of does a disservice to the sacrament. If we, if we give the Lord our sin and kind of take it back a little bit, because it's not that bad. The Lord's like, I'll, I'll forgive you, but, but no, 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 come back, <laughs> you know? And so it's to be able to simply to, to name our sins. We don't have to try to defend ourselves. We don't have to, you know, come up with explanations of these kinds of things. Indeed, if there's something that's important that needs to be said that changes the, the effect of a sacrament, if, you know, I miss Sunday Mass, is typically a grave sin. But if I miss Sunday Mass because something tragic happened and I was in the hospital, that's a different thing. And so, simply to be able to, to name our sins. And as we go through, to be able, the church requires us that any mortal sins that we have in our soul are to be confessed. Uh, because if it's something grave, indeed it needs to be brought before the Lord for him to be able to forgive If we have several mortal sins in our soul and we name three of them and we keep one to ourselves for fear, for shame, for whatever reason, our confession was basically just null and void because we didn't let the Lord actually forgive us. And forgiveness cannot be given when it is not willing to be received. And so we give our Lord the sins of our heart. That said, if we commit venial sins, those are not required to be mentioned. They can be helpful. Uh, indeed, we can, be, uh, we can certainly grow in holiness by naming the venial sins that we commit because sometimes they help to fill out the picture and the priest can identify, have you noticed these are following a pattern? And it can kind of help you know, with, with some kind of counsel to encouragement in a larger picture. And so at the end of, a, of, of accusing ourselves of naming the sins that we have committed, it's helpful also to conclude with, and for these and all my sins, I'm very sorry. Or for these and the sins of my past life, I'm very sorry. Or for these and the sins that I cannot now recall, I'm very sorry. And I say that basically because at the end of reconciliation, sometimes if we don't say anything as to say at least, okay, that's all, Father, if if nothing else, (laughs) right? Then the priest is kind of waiting because we don't want to cut someone off when they're trying to pray. And, and, you know, if they're trying to, to think of other things... I don't want to hop in there and start giving you counsel midway through your confession and then you have to interrupt me while I'm trying to counsel you to be able to give me the rest of your confession and then I have to switch back, you know. Um, And so basically, if you don't say anything, typically there's an awkward pause because the priest is waiting in case you have something else you wanted to say. Uh, And so it can be helpful for us simply to say, for these and all my sins, etc., And so after that, typically we receive some sort of advice or counsel or encouragement as the case may be. And so at that point, uh, we are given our penance by the priest. And here's the interesting point is uh, the penance is given, but also it must be received. 
So typically I ask in confession, uh, would like, to, like you to do such and such, is that okay? I usually phrase it as a question so that they can say yes, or that sounds good. Because though you may not be aware of it, you actually have the option to ask for a different penance. A friend of mine, when we were in the seminary, he was given the penance not to drink alcohol for the next year. <laughs> and he said, yeah, it's not going to happen. What else? <laughs> what else can I do? <laughs> He's honest. <laughs> and so it's much better for us simply to, to say, Father, I can't do that, or that's not realistic, or I don't know what you mean. Can you, can you clarify? Uh, it's helpful to do that rather than just to go, yep, that sounds great, and then get home and be like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here, or I can't do that, you know. And so if it's something that we really legitimately are not able to do, um, then it's acceptable for us to go, I, I don't know that I can do that, Father. Can you, can you give me a different penance? Rare is the occasion where someone asks, Father, can I have a little bit more penance? Because I don't think that's enough for the sins that I've committed. It happens occasionally, but more often than not, people are like, all right, that's all I got to do? Fair enough. I'll take it. I'll take my two Hail Marys, you know? And off we go. And so we receive our penance, and then the priest um, invites us to make an act of contrition. Now here, too, I would encourage you in one particular concrete thing to be able to do this week and in the weeks to come. And it would be to take an act of contrition and to read through it, to really pray with it, and to memorize it. There are a whole variety of different ones. There are some longer ones that are some that are about six words long. Uh, So your choice is yours. Uh, But I would encourage you really to spend some time looking through and reflecting on an act of contrition that suits you. There are a whole variety of options, again. Because what tends to happen sometimes, especially because it's one of those great rote Catholic prayers that we memorize whenever we're seven years old and making our first reconciliation, and oftentimes we kind of stick with the same one through the course of the years. But the fun part is through the course of the years, we kind of play a telephone game with ourselves, where we pass on the message and then the message gets a little blurry, and then sometimes we forget the message, so we make up a different message and new words. And so sometimes, occasionally, in the sacrament of, of confession, the act of contrition comes out as more of, I, and I promise to, to remain in the, in the occasion of sin and to avoid penance. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's not good at all. <laughs> You know, and so we, we get our words mixed up, or sometimes it's, uh, you know, my God, I'm sorry for my sins, all oh, my heart. I, I Amen. <laughs> right? And so we just kind of, we know the first couple lines, and then we mumble through the rest, and Father, Father's going to forgive us, you know, He's got to, right? And so basically, really just to, to be able to say it like we mean it. My God, I'm sorry for my sins with all my heart. In choosing to do wrong and in failing to do good, I've sinned against you, whom I should love above all things. To say it like we mean it, because we're supposed to mean it. Otherwise, again, the sacrament is null and void. (laughs) If we're not sorry, we can't receive the forgiveness. And so it's an expression of our heart to be able to let the love of the Lord that rise within our heart to come forth and to manifest itself in our words. And so it's helpful for us really not to fire through it or to mumble through it or uh, to kind of shoot from the hip and hope that we get it right, but rather simply to be able to pray it and to pray it well. At that point, I will never be upset if someone says, 
Father, I need the card. <laughs> I will happily have the card. They're sitting there next to you. We have multiple them available all over the place. So to be able to make a good act of contrition. And then the priest will pray the absolution over you, making the sign of the cross and saying those most holy words. Of, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In case you're curious, that didn't count for y'all. So you've got to actually go confess something. And then at the end, the priest says something to the effect of, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. And the response is, thanks be to God. Oftentimes, we will, we will respond, thank you, Father, um, which Father appreciates. But at the same time, for the sake of oneself, as for the sake of the priest, to remember that it's not just an encounter with the priest and a penitent, but rather it's a person coming to meet Christ. Thanks be to God. Reminds us that we just encountered him. We didn't just see Father Brent or Father, whoever it is, is sitting in front of us. We met Christ. And we received his grace. And so going forth, hopefully we experience a new experience of, 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 of lightness, of grace, of peace. And are able to go forth to be able to live a little bit better the gospel of Jesus. Again, I know that the temptation oftentimes is to avoid confession, is to avoid reconciliation. We can name every reason in the book, but the one reason that we ought to go is because it's the one reason that Jesus came to us to the first place. When Jesus took on our flesh, it wasn't to give us a Bible. It wasn't just to teach us. It wasn't to give us an example it was that he would take on our flesh so that united to humanity, he could offer himself on the cross, die, and be raised. And in being raised, that he would raise up humanity who was dead in sin. He came to save us from sin, period. And for that reason, we continue to have recourse to the sacrament of reconciliation. Not just once, but many times in the course of our days, to experience again and again the same thing that Lazarus experienced in the gospel, that bound hand and foot often by our sins with cloth over our face, we're unable to see ourselves or our God. The Lord says, come out, arise. And we come forth. And the Lord Jesus unbinds our hands. He loosens the straps on our feet. He takes the cloth from our face and we get to look upon the one who loves us. Every single time we go to reconciliation, we're unbound from sin and we come to new life. What a gift it is to be able to be so deeply loved by the Lord. And what a grace it is to live as Lazarus.